Good evening, everyone. Welcome. So, um, I'm going to say some things that are a continuation of things I said last week, but actually it's fine if this is the first time you're here. It's fine if this is the first time you're meditating ever. Um, so don't worry. But for those of you who were here last week, what I'm doing is I think um, making another pass at some of the topics that I went over last time, some of the topics and techniques that I went over last time. Um, especially the importance of, or the benefits of using multiple anchors and, um, and thinking of the awareness we're trying to cultivate as the kind of holding space for our thoughts and emotions. Um, and if that doesn't make sense right now, don't worry. Um, I think it will by the end of tonight. So, um, I'm teaching a class called Zen and the Art of American Literature, um, in which we're studying the influence of Buddhism on American culture. Um, and it, it's a big class, um, uh, 90 students, it's a big lecture. Um, and at the beginning of every class meeting, we do a bit of um, you can use a chair if you want, or there are cushions over here. So. Um, we do a little bit of meditation together. And um, for the first class meeting yesterday, the students in the class read a, base, a bit of basic meditation instruction written by John Kabat-Zinn and Joseph Goldstein, um, just basic mindfulness practice stuff. And I asked every student to say a few words about the reading, like what struck them, um, what they found particularly interesting. And it was a really um, a good reminder to me um, of the kinds of preconceptions that people bring to meditation practice before they start. Um, so one thing that a number of students said is that they were really um, surprised and actually in some way heartened to discover that the point of meditation practice isn't to get rid of your thoughts. It's not just to quiet the mind, right? Um, that actually is more about being aware of what the mind's doing rather than you know, shutting the thought process down. Because a lot of them had said, you know, they tried it before, but found it so frustrating to meditate because they couldn't stop thinking, right? And so they felt like they weren't doing it right. And, um, so that was both interesting and I think really wonderful to see the students gain that insight just on that first night's reading. But also another thing that's connected to this that um, a lot of students observed is that they were picking up on the fact that being aware of our thoughts, being aware of our emotions also meant um, becoming sort of friends with whatever we might be feeling even if it's a, a, a mental state that they might consider unpleasant in ordinary life, like their sorrow or their frustration or anxiety, anxiety especially, right? anxiety and fear. And uh, as 
some of the students wrote like this is like the opposite of what I do in regular life, right? My main MO is actually to um, do anything I can to avoid feeling those kinds of, of emotions and thoughts. And so it was um, really, you know, interesting to them to see that, oh, that's actually not the point. I mean, actually that's like the point is to do something different, which is actually to you know, go into how you feel. Um, and so what I wanna talk about tonight is how meditation can actually help you do that. Because I think it's actually one thing to say, become friends with your unpleasant emotions, things that you might not want to feel. But it's actually another thing to know how to do that without, in a way, getting lost in those negative states, kind of drowning in them. Um, now, how do you actually um, hold a sensation of anxiety or fear without just becoming fearful? You know, um, and that's clearly not the point of meditation practice, right? That would be masochistic, just to kind of like um, intensify negative states that we already don't enjoy feeling. Um, this is also linked to an observation that a, a number of students made. Um, and I'm saying this because I think that this is stuff that e even if you've been meditating for a while, I think it can resonate, you know, it's not, it's not like it's just because they were, some of them were new to it that um, they were having these thoughts. I think they resonate with me. I, I was really, it, it was wonderful to hear these, these thoughts and observations. And so even some of you old timers out there, I think will still appreciate um, being reminded of some of these, you know. Um, so the last kind of common student response that I'll, I'll um, pass on is a lot of them heard the instruction to let the breath come and go freely and not to control the breath and said, that is really hard. She, one of the students said, that's like sneaky hard, you know, how do you tune in to an autonomic, you know, process of the body, focus on it and not in some way try to manage it, right? How do you follow the breath without, even if you don't want to, exerting control over the breath? It's such a good point, right? It is actually one of the more difficult things that I think people who are starting out meditating, you know, um, find about meditation. Like, how do you follow the breath without just inadvertently managing it, controlling it in some way? So what we're going to do tonight speaks to all of these responses to what the students had, okay? So, um, so what we're going to do is uh, two or three point meditation practice. What that means is, you know, the very traditional kind of meditation instruction is follow the breath. And that's a really good one. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? Um, but when people tune into the breath, it is as the student I was quoting just noted, very common for people to in some way exert subtle and sometimes not so subtle control over the breath. And this is because when people hear the word focus or concentrate, they're thinking often about a kind of narrow, tight form of focus or concentration, you know, concentration that is really like a laser beam or a spotlight. But there are two different kinds of consciousness 
there's spotlight consciousness, which we use when we're doing tasks during the day, thinking, like especially problem solving, a kind that's like focused on the task at hand right there, right? And there's another kind of consciousness, which psychologists call lantern consciousness, which is diffuse, open, that just radiates awareness rather than directing it in a narrow being. The kind of consciousness that's really effective for mindfulness practice and for meditation practice as we like to do it here is um, that kind of lantern consciousness, one that is open, not tight. So the question is how do you promote the experience of this more open kind of consciousness? And the technique that I have found personally most effective both in my own practice, but also in my teaching of meditation is using more than one anchor at a time. Because if the brain, if the mind has to focus on multiple things at once, it can't focus on one thing narrowly, just by definition, because it needs to be, the awareness needs to be diffuse enough to hold multiple things at once in consciousness. In particular, I find using the anchor of listening to sounds in the environment as a particularly effective anchor for this purpose. And because if you're just listening for all the sounds in your environment, you can't hear everything around you if you're focused narrowly. As soon as you start focusing on one sound, you're not gonna hear all the other sounds, right? Or you're gonna hear them less clearly. So I love sound as an anchor because it naturally encourages kind of more open kind of awareness. And then if you add on to that, sensations in part of the body and the breath, holding all three anchors simultaneously in, in your mind, then you're not gonna be able to just tighten up on any one of them, all right? Um, so we're gonna do a three-point awareness practice. And um, so just see how it goes, all right? See how it feels. If it feels hard to do like a third anchor, just settle for two. But I would encourage everyone to try for at least two, okay? Even if it does, even if you feel like you have to kind of toggle back and forth a bit between those two. Um, and then later on, I'll talk a little bit about how we can think about using the awareness we're gonna cultivate in this three-point awareness practice to engage in a skillful way with negative feelings and thoughts. Like what do we do with them? So the awareness that we're gonna produce in this three-point practice is gonna be a good kind of awareness in which to hold whatever comes up, right? But we'll talk more about that later. Just wanna give you the, the longer arc of what we're gonna to do tonight. Um, Carrie, just do want to do a sound check. Is this is this coming through okay in terms of sound and volume? Okay, good, awesome, great. So um, please get in a position that would be comfortable to sit in for the next twenty or so minutes. Um, if your belt or pants are cinched tight and you can do so discreetly, um, encourage you to loosen them. Like I always unbutton my jeans a, a bit, you know, and, and loosen my belt a bit. Um, definitely want the breath to be unconstrained. 
And you want your back to be upright, but not stiff. But you want to be alert. And you want your front side to be open so that it can expand as you breathe. So these are just really basic you know, things to keep in mind when you're assuming a meditation posture. If you're slouched over and the front side is collapsed, it's gonna be hard to breathe and that will affect your state of mind. So you want the front to be open enough so it can move. And to begin, please just check in with how the body's feeling. especially how the body's feeling where it's making contact with the seat beneath you, whether that be a chair, a sofa, or the floor. Let your awareness explore the sensations produced by the contact of your body with whatever is supporting the weight of your body. And now please take a deep breath. And as you breathe in through the nose, visualize the air filling up your spinal column, almost as if your spine is like a long, thin balloon, the kind that people make balloon animals out of. Feel the spine inflate with air. And then breathe out slowly through your slightly open mouth drawing your exhalation out nice and slow. And just take a few more breaths in this way, breathing in deeply, breathing into the spine, feeling the back, the neck lengthen, elongate, and breathe out slowly through your slightly open mouth. And now please let your breath come and go at its own rhythm and pace, no longer intentionally lengthening the breath in any way. Try not to control the breath and just let it come and go, whether that be deep and slow or shallow and rapid. And let's begin with the first anchor, which will be the anchor of sounds. And so all this means is please just hear all that there is to hear in whatever space you're in. You're not listening for particular sounds. You're not trying to identify sounds. Just listen in an open, receptive way, as if you're like a satellite dish, just receiving all the sound waves around you.
Notice what happens to the quality of your hearing when you're carried away by thoughts. For me, I notice that I can't hear as much when I'm caught up in my thinking. It's an interesting way to check how present I am. If I'm hearing everything around me, I'm here. But when I'm lost in thought, it's like there's a gauze between me and the sounds around me. How does it feel for you? Whenever you feel yourself pulled by thoughts, just notice that and let your awareness rest once again in this open hearing. Another wonderful thing about using sounds as an anchor is if you try too hard to hear everything around you, you actually restrict how much and how clearly you can hear. The only way to actually hear everything around you is to relax and not try too hard. Receive the sounds rather than try to actively grasp at them. Now, while you continue listening to sounds in this way, please also bring your awareness to the sensations in your hands. So what do you feel in the tissue, the muscles of your hands, the palms, the backside? How does the air in the space you're in, feel on the skin of your hands. So let some of your awareness rest in your hands while the rest of it continues listening for all the sounds around you.
If it's difficult keeping both hands and sounds in your awareness at the same time, move back and forth from time to time. But then once in a while, see if you can, even for just a few moments, hold both hands and sounds simultaneously in awareness. And now, while you continue holding sounds and hands in awareness, please include a third anchor, which is the feeling of your breath as it enters and exits your nose. So feel your breath at the tip of your nose and your nostrils. Feel the sensations of the breath there. While you also feel the hands and the sounds around you. When you feel carried away by thoughts, just notice that, perhaps say silently to yourself, thinking as a way of acknowledging that you become lost in thought. And just let your awareness return to the three anchors. So even though we're just focusing on three different anchors, hands, breath, and sounds, 
your awareness should be soft and open enough where you can feel just the kind of presence of the whole body as well. And if you sense sensations, feelings, emotions, moving through the body, just invite them to be part of this field of awareness that you're cultivating. If you feel discomfort or an impulse to move or anything else in the body, just let it be there in this open field of awareness, not a problem. So sometimes during meditation, a sensation or a feeling or an emotion can emerge that is strong and perhaps unpleasant. It could be a feeling of anxiety or intense discomfort or pain. If a strong sensation or feeling emerges like this, try using that as a fourth anchor so that you're allowing it to be part of what you're aware of, but not to consume your awareness. Let your awareness of hand, sounds, and breath create a space big enough to make room for whatever unpleasant sensations you might be feeling. Let that sensation be there, but don't focus too much on it. Just let it be there as part of this bigger, more spacious awareness.
Sometimes when we do a practice like this, we can fall into a state where we're just feeling the body as a whole, hearing sounds around us. And it doesn't feel necessary to hold on to the anchors. If that happens for you, just let yourself drop the anchors and just let your awareness move to whatever calls this attention. As long as you're also feeling the body, you're present to how the body is feeling right now. But if you ever feel like then you're losing focus, like the mind is wandering, then you can reestablish the anchors as a way of sharpening your awareness once again. Can you hear all the sounds around you? Use that once in a while as a check to see if you're really present.
as thoughts or emotions or sensations emerge, see if you can hold them in this space of awareness. Thoughts, emotions, sensations, there's no problem at all. There's nothing wrong with them coming up. We're not trying to repress them, get away from them. Just let them be there in this space of awareness and let them pass. Okay, so feel free to move your body, get comfortable, but throughout the next 20 minutes of the evening together, um, I encourage you to, in some background way, stay tuned into the sounds around you, um, feel the quality of the contact your body's making with whatever you're sitting on. Um, see if you can let this awareness move into the post-sitting time. Um, so in the Soto Zen tradition that I come out of, um, one of the core practices is called Shikantaza, which is just sitting. And um, I think it's actually a very difficult kind of practice, but the instructions that I just provided, I think are one way of pointing towards a kind of um, awareness that Shikantaza is trying to cultivate, which is like just being present um, and letting whatever comes come, but held in this um, open awareness. It's also, I think, um, a very effective way of like attending to unpleasant emotions or thoughts as they emerge, because it's like, it, it acknowledges them, it gives them a space to be, but it also provides a bigger container so that the awareness isn't narrowly focused on whatever might emerge um, and then you know, kind of swallow up your awareness in some way, leading you down rabbit holes of negative emotion or thinking as well. So um, I just wanna open the floor for um, comments. It would be, I'd love to hear, I think it'd be useful for other people in in this session to hear how it felt for you, what worked, what didn't, um, and also any questions that people might have. I'd be happy to, to, um, to address them. So 
just open the floor and Oh, um, yes, please. Sorry. When I tried to make the uncomfortable foster sensation of fourth anchor, I wasn't able to like equally balance all anchors, and that would become my predominant anchor that mm -hmm. took most of my focus. Mm -hmm. I think that's really natural. You know, I mean, um, you you did it because it was an unpleasant enough sensation, right? So, and I think that. Um, that that will come with time, you know, and there will be times where it will be so intense, it'll be, it will overwhelm all of them and you won't, you won't be able to really be aware of anything but it. But if you could hold any of the other anchors in awareness at all, that's already, right, more space than when you're just lost in it, right? And so, I don't know, did you get a sense of how it, it might, did it feel like it created a bit more space around it? Yeah. And so you had a case of, I think, what it can do and it can do, it can, it can become even more spacious so that it can just be there, you know, so that, um, um, you know, for example, like you can, you know, a classic example that I like to use is like, so you can feel like the sensations associated with anxiety, but instead of like spinning into anxious thoughts, you just can hold them and they're just there as part of a broader field of experience, you know? And so it's not that they're pleasant, it's not like they go away, but they're no longer overwhelming in the same way. Um, and that can change so much, just that, yeah. So actually I'm impressed that you could hold the other anchors at all. That's really great, yeah. Yeah, I really like Bernie, your, what you said about like, you know, adding the like thought itself as a fourth anchor. And, and I, I think for me, that's been really like a game changer because, you know, I, I think that you know, like thought has been kind of like the driver of my existence for much of my life. And to just like, you know, view it as an anchor, it's just, and, and just like one of these, you know, natural processes, just like the sound or, you know, the breath that we just, that just happens to us is like really remarkable. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. I think when we're following the breath, it's so natural to feel like we're just pulled away. And then it's like, we're going back to the breath. And I think for me, this experience of having multiple anchors, especially sound makes it much more feel like a space in which thoughts can emerge, you know, and then move on um, rather than like a target that I'm being pulled away from, you know? Um, so did I see a hand over there, Devika? Yeah. Um, the weakness starting with sounds and then going to like a feeling on So, um, John, could you hear Devika? Not really. Okay. So, so what she said. Wait, what's that? What's that? I, I couldn't hear her. 
Okay, yeah, I'm gonna just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to figure out how to do the sound here. Um, but I think um, what she was saying is it worked better for her to start with sounds and hand, then go to hands and then breath. Where in the past, starting with the breath already created like a, a, a kind of much more lockdown tense feeling, you know? And so, um, so she found it like nice to start with the sounds first. It's actually exactly the reason why I did that. Because um, um, I think if, if we have a tendency to kind of tighten up when we're following the breath, um, and starting that way kind of like then colors the, the rest experience and it, it takes a while to soften. And so, so that's really good to hear. Thank you. Yeah. Joko Beck actually had asthma. And so she found following the breath really difficult. So actually her anchor, her primary anchor was just sounds. Um, so it's not as if you, you know, and also I think, by the way, for people who like following the breath is it's really fine just to follow the breath. People who follow the breath and, and do it in a way that's really effective, I think have a kind of soft way of being with it where it doesn't tighten up. It's just that what I'm suggesting is a kind of a modification for people who might like Devika kind of like my, myself sometimes tighten up when you follow the breath. So it's just, it's whatever works for you. Following the breath, is a, there's a reason. It's like a classic go-to instruction. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Um, so she was asking if you're, we're allowed to lay down. Um, I'm, I'm fine with that, you know, um, especially if you're, um, if your body is, you know, needs to lie down, you know, I think if you can sit up, it's really, um, it's good to try it at least, you know, because I think for different, it's easier to stay awake, but also I think it's a slightly easier to, tr to transition the kind of awareness you develop into regular life. And that's another reason too, you know, but, um, but this is a pretty relaxed place. You should feel free to do whatever. Okay. Hi, um, my name is Pam, Pam McDonald. Um, I, we haven't formally met, but, um, it's been great to, uh, have these meditation meetings, um, Sangha. It's been very helpful. Um, and I did want to say it was, was, um, um, I was able to hear the sound and then focus on the air, um, air on the hands, you know, simultaneously. And then I would drift it to a thought and then return back to the, um, the sound. And so it was um, almost like a circle, <laughs> almost like a circular process. And um, without, you know, condom, I mean, without any criticism about thinking or just, just return, just return. And um, it's almost, it felt like a circle a bit. Um, but uh, I just wanted to break my silence. <laughs> it's been so quiet. Um, yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you, Pam. And nice to mm -hmm. meet you in this virtual mm -hmm. way. Yeah. Yes. It's been yeah. good to have you here. Very good. Mm -hmm. so, so I think one thing I'll say, to, I mean, not to, this is not to end the conversation, but just to throw out another thing is like, you know, I've, I've spent a decent amount of time talking about the importance of noting our thinking, you know, like, 
So either just just noting in a silent way what are, what thoughts are pulling us away, or like actually labeling, like, oh, thinking about work, or thinking about my partner, or 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 actually even saying like having a thought. I'm no good at anything, you know. So like noting, labeling is a really important part of practice. But once you note or label a thought, especially one that has any emotional juice to it, the thing to do then is to reside in the body and to feel like how the the sort of bodily component of that thought, you know, because most thoughts that have emotional content to them will create some kind of sensation in the body, some tension, some agitation, something, right? And so the, the noting is important, but it's preliminary to being just experiencing how the body feels. And so what we are doing tonight, this kind of just sort of being with how the body is in the moment is gonna be the bulk of our practice. I mean, once we sort of note thoughts, you know, and the, the mind settles down enough so that we're not just spinning constantly, right? So it's not just thought, 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 but like thought, 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 and then like, oh, I can, I can actually be in the body for a bit. This is where the deep transformation happens. And it's gonna be interesting to track like, so as you're feeling how the body feels, what propels you back into the mind? I think one of the things that's gonna be very common is it just doesn't feel good. You know, this feels unpleasant to feel the physical component of anxiety. I'd almost rather think anxious thoughts than feel what anxiety feels like in the body, you know? Um, and so the more we can hold those sensations in the body in this way, the less we'll be compelled to actually go down the thought rabbit holes, which then often lead to, you know, more and more unpleasant sensations and more behaviors that are really not so productive for us. Um, so in case you're wondering like how these two things are related, it's like we, late, no, we note or label the thought, but then really the most important, but also one of the more difficult steps is just being with the sensations. Um, for me, as, you know, as, as a number of you who are um, on this, in this group for a while know, like I had a very, very bad eating disorder um, when I was a teenager. And it's one of the things that I think led me to move to a Buddhist temple when I was 18. And that was, you know, Matt used the word game changer, right? When I could actually like hold the sensations that felt like impulses to engage in those kind of behaviors. And just like, and it wasn't pleasant. It was really unpleasant, right? But hold them, feel them churning, but just have this, the ability to, to create the space to hold them rather than like act on them right away. That's when the grip that that disorder had on me became loosened, you know? So, um, so whatever compulsion it may be for you, which hopefully isn't nearly as destructive as the one I had, but, you know, we all have them, right? We want to say the thing to our, you know, our friend or our, our wife or husband, right? That we shouldn't say, can we actually stay with the sensation that makes us want us to, to do that rather than, you know, jump into like action or, more spinning. Yeah. When we can bring this space into regular life, then so much can change.
So there are five minutes left. If people's knees can handle it, could we sit for a few minutes and then we'll call it a night? Okay, awesome. Good. So um, I won't offer any guidance for these last few minutes. Um, please either do the practice we did earlier or do whatever practice feels good to you. And I'll just um, say when the, the period is over. Okay, it'll just be like four or five minutes.
Okay, everyone. Good night. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you. Thank you.